we have been in a series uh, about suffering uh, that, uh, that we started last week, and last week we kind of talked about, um, okay, if we could hit the next slide. This thing has a little trouble. It doesn't like me very much, I think. Um, we, we talked about the fact that everybody suffers. Amen? Everybody suffers. It's in one way, shape, or another. There's all kinds of different ways of suffering. Uh, but everybody suffers at some point in their life. And if you're not suffering, the good news is just wait. You will eventually. Um, and so we, we all suffer. It's a universal e experience. Um, and there's some good news in that. We believe that God brings good out of bad. Amen? Suffering is not good, and God does not make us suffer, but he brings good at it. And one of the good things about everybody suffers is we are not alone. God is with you in your suffering. Amen? <clears throat> Emmanuel. God is with us. Uh, but not only that, but, but he's called us to be with us. We talked about sideways grace, how we need to, to give grace to one another and encourage and be family uh, together when we suffer. And so uh, that was kind of last week. That was kind of the beginning. Uh, and so this week, I want to dig a, a little bit deeper into that. Um, and I want to actually go um, into this idea of sacred suffering. And what I mean uh, by sacred suffering is finding meaning in the pain. And I don't, I don't mean an explanation for the pain. That's the question of why. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, but that, that God can bring things that are good for us. They can bring meaningful things into our life even when we suffer. He has a way uh, of doing that. And so uh, anytime God does that, that is a sacred sort of thing. There's something spiritual that happens in all of that. Uh, and so we serve an awesome God that does uh, that for us. So let's, let's start out by looking at just a, a, some good things that God brings out of, out of suffering. Um, and one of those is um, some suffering is good. Now, I know you don't believe that. Nobody said amen there. They didn't say it in the 8 o'clock service either. You know, we're all like, okay, you're going to have to really convince us about this one. But uh, when, when I was in college, uh, they brought in a, a speaker who had just written a book about pain of physician. Uh, and he was, had been a missionary, and he'd spent a lot of his career working amongst lepers in third world countries. And he was saying to them, uh, one of the things about leprosy is uh, you, you lose feeling in your extremities, you know. Not, not only you eventually you're, they decay, but, but long before they decay, you, you can't feel anything. And he said one of the problems was where he was at was they used uh, um, old stoves where you put wood and stuff in them, you know, the old kind of stove like that. And what would happen is people would get to talking and they'd put their hand on the stove and talk, because you've seen me do this. And they didn't know there, anything was wrong until they literally smelled their flesh burning, right? And so some suffering is good. It, you know, when you touch something hot, it's good to know that so that you can withdraw your hand. Okay, for a minute there, you're all like, nah, I don't know, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you know. So, so a certain amount of pain, in fact, this guy argued that in many ways, pain is, is a gift from God. It's the, the intensity and the duration of it that, that make it evil, and, and we know that anyway. All evil is uh, when the devil twists something that God made good, amen? <clears throat> Devil can't create anything. And so uh, pain is, is that sort of thing. So some, some, some pain is good. Uh, some suffering is good. And then uh, some suffering uh, is, is worth it, honestly. Uh, we just, we do it deliberately. Uh, if, how many of you have kids? Okay. If you have kids, you understand that some suffering is worth it. Amen. You know, there's just something about you, you suffer with, with the kids, and it, it's a part of the process. And, you know, when I first wrote this, I, I, the first one I had on the list was marriage, but I thought I better not start there. But, you know, if, if you're married, you experience, if you love someone, you're going to experience some suffering because you enter into relationship with them, right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but your spouse is not always right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jody seems to think I'm wrong quite a bit, in fact, you know. Um, but but, but that, 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 that's a part of it. It's, it's, it's a part of, uh, of the love process. That there's just some suffering that, that, that it's worth it. In, in fact, I heard someone say one time that, that grief is the price we pay for loving someone. Because eventually, one or the other, you will go on into heaven, and, the, and both of you suffer in, in, in that moment, although the one that gets out of here gets heaven, so that's a pretty good deal, but, but we, we, we end up grieving because of that, and in and, and our, our roles as pastors, I've seen that over and over again, uh, people that have been married for decades, you know, 50, 60 years, and, and when their spouse goes to heaven, it's like they've been torn apart, you know, there's, just, there's a price 
that we pay in suffering because, because of love. Some other suffering that's worth it is, is some of the school and the training we get in order to better our careers, in order to, to learn and, and, and to grow, you know, the, the things we do, the disciplines, the prices we pay for something bigger, you know, saving your money so you can buy a house. All of those, there's all kinds of ways in which some suffering is just flat out worth it. But here's what I know that we're going to need to talk about a little bit, and that is this. Um, all suffering changes us. We're, we're never the same. And when, it, when it's deep suffering, you will never, ever be the same again. It changes you in some pretty profound ways. And, and so uh, we choose how it will change us, okay? It, it will either make our relationships deeper and stronger, or it'll tear them apart, and there's really the only two ways that this can go. And you, you've all seen this work in, in, in your lives around you. Some people, when they suffer, a couple will get much closer together, you know. And some couples, they end up in divorce when great suffering comes in. It, it'll either pull you together or it'll not. But it, it, will, it will change you. And we all believe ultimately that God always brings good out of bad. And so what we want to talk a little bit is, is how that works. And so um, here, here's kind of my question for you today. What if when we suffer... The most important question is not why, but how. What if when we suffer, the most important question is not why, but how? Why is the question that gets asked a lot in society today? Why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me? To which I want to say, God is not doing this to you. You know, why, why, why? Here, here's the problem with the why. It's, it's a it's a question that causes us to delude and deceive ourselves. Because the underlying assumption in the why question is, if I could just understand it, I could control it. Uh-huh. All you control freaks out there. And if I could control it, then I could somehow lessen the suffering or I could move. There's something about, there's something about if I could just understand why, I, I could control it. And the truth of the matter is, even if you did understand why, you couldn't control it. There are things in this world you simply cannot control. Amen? And we live in a fallen, broken world. We, we talked about that. And so the more important question is how. Because you see, we can control how we suffer. We can't control why we suffer. We often can't control whether or not we suffer. If you can, then control it and don't suffer. That's better than suffering. But if you cannot control it, then the question becomes, how will I suffer? Am I going to pass through this season of life in a way that honors God and brings good out of it? Or am I going to go the destructive way of fear and anger and pain and and the suffering actually leads to more suffering in my life and in the life of the people I care about. I told you last week that in some sense, the Bible, the entire Bible is a response to suffering. It's, it starts out with the fall of man and the entrance of suffering. And it ends with the book of Revelation where the answer to all the suffering is one day we're all going to be in heaven. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's the part in between that's the problem. Have you noticed? You know? And, and so um, the Bible talks about this in a very specific way, what I want to talk about in Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me over to Romans chapter 5. Uh, it's in our Bible, our apps are in, in, in the church app, there are Bibles, if you have that as well, or online, however you want to do that. Uh, as, you, as you're getting that up, let me just begin to explain again, because I think context is everything. I do a lot out of John, and I've talked to you about how John is uh, very well-developed theology, because he wrote late. And Paul wrote very early. And so Paul is working out a lot of the philosophical issues in Christianity with this new faith centered around Christ and how that interacts with the culture of the time and how that interacts with the Jewish tradition and all of that. And so Paul is a, is a philosopher. And so I, I like him because I have a background in philosophy. But, but philosophers tend to use words in very nuanced kinds of ways. And Paul does that a lot. So often when we talk about Paul, I kind of dive into the Greek. And we're going to need to do that a little bit this morning. But it's also very picturesque. Greek is a very picturesque language. It tends to be pictures. I've told you that most Bible theology is picture theology. It's images of what God is like or what we are like and those kinds of things. And so um, we're going to read this and then we're going to kind of dig into it a little bit. So uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 3, uh, it says this, not only this, and we'll go back and do two in a minute, not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Huh. 
knowing that the tribulation brings about, and then here's the list, perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. So now he's in a progress. It starts with perseverance, and if you get perseverance down, then you get to proven character. And proven character, hope. That's the, the conclusion of it. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, gave, uh, who was given to us. And so let me kind of get a little bit of this. The first word there is tribulations. The word in the Greek literally means big pressure. It's the idea of something that crushes you. And, and if, if you've ever gone through very deep suffering, it sometimes feels like there's this giant pressure that's on you that you, you can't escape. And so when Paul talks about tribulations, he's not talking about, you know, having a bad day at work here. Tribulations is, is, a, is a suffering. It's a heavy, it's a, a hard and difficult thing. And he was a man who faced all kinds of, of suffering in his life. He was, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was left for dead, he was shipwrecked. He, I mean, the guy is like the king of suffering, all right? And so when he writes these words, he, he, really is, he really knows what he's talking about. And, and honestly, he's preparing Romans a few years after this is written. They go into all kinds of uh, persecution in all of that. And so the, the suffering, the, the pressure. And so uh, what this teaches us, one of the things this teaches us, is that God uses suffering to make us look more like him. A part of what God wants to do when you are suffering is to change you and transform you and make you more like Christ. There's this powerful thing that happens in suffering in that it forms us in new ways. In fact, in one of the books I was reading, uh, they said something that I hadn't thought about but, but is spot on, and the author said this. If you read biographies of great figures... Virtually every one of them that achieve greatness also have great suffering in their life at some point. Yeah, and I thought, oh my goodness. One of the ways that, that God formed them, that used them, is that it's through the suffering that he turned them into the person that he intended them to be. And so it is with you and me that in the midst of the suffering, there is an opportunity for God to change you more into the image of Christ, to make you look more like him in whatever the unique reflection of Christ is. It's different in, in, in everybody. But you as a unique reflection have this opportunity to become more like him. He, he grows us spiritually when we suffer and the light of Christ shines out in us. There's an opportunity to deepen relationships. One of the things that my privilege as a pastor is often journey with people when they're in suffering. And one of the most common ones um, when believers suffer is they will say, you know, through this hard time, you would have thought I would have moved farther away from Christ. And at that point, I want to say, no, I wouldn't, but I don't, you know. And they say, I have moved so much closer to Christ. It's so much sweeter. There's just something about this. There's this peace that happens. It doesn't make any sense, Pastor. And I'll say, you've been watching too much TV and not reading your Bible enough, you know? God's Word talks about that, the satisfying relationships. God does not cause suffering, but He never wastes it either. And in your life, if you're suffering, I'm telling you, God wants to do something in, in, in your heart. And so let me put a little finer point on it. Uh, and I just know that I know in all of this uh, that... that um, next slide... Uh, God is at work in your suffering as well, your personal suffering. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, God is at work in your suffering. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God is at work in your suffering too. God is at work, not just in the general idea, you know, everybody's thinking, Paul, he lived 2,000 years ago, he was a spiritual giant, how do I relate to him? I'm telling you, God is at work in your suffering, your personal suffering. In fact, I've pretty much decided that God thinks suffering is a teachable moment. You all know what a teachable moment is? Yeah, it's that thing the teacher says just before they give you a hard time about something, you know? And so I, I've had a number of teachable moments in my life, but, but one of them that came to mind when I was thinking about this was uh, happened shortly after I got my driver's license, which is like a really scary time, right, you know? And, um, and so I'd gotten my driver's license, and I was at that stage where I thought I really, I, I knew, right? I was a better driver than my dad because I had faster reflexes than him, right? I didn't really take into account judgment. That came later. That's the, back to the story. 
So one day, uh, my, uh, my pastor shows up at our house, and, and uh, he had just bought a brand new car. Maybe the first time he'd ever bought a brand new car. Small church, didn't have a lot of money. It was a really little car. But he was really proud of it, and he was up kind of sharing, and he had parked it in our, in our, in our house. And, and I, I had a job, and, and I needed to go to my job. And, and so I, you know, I said, Dad, can I, can I borrow the truck? My dad had this three-quarter ton pickup with a steel bumper on the back, you know, that, that was high like that. And I thought, man, I got I to gotta get to work. And so I, I jumped in that pickup truck and I popped it in reverse and I started to move back pretty fast. And all of a sudden, bam! And I ran smack dab into that brand, like three-day-old car, right? My dad thought that was a teachable moment. So you pop it in and you move forward. I got to go in there, you know, and they had heard it already. So they're all looking out the windows at me and I'm kind of moping up. And you got to share that. And, you know, my dad really didn't say very much other than you probably need to check your mirrors before you back up. (laughs) To this day, I am paranoid when I put a car in reverse. I look back and forth. I finally have a car that has a little TV. You know, I'm like looking back there at that and checking all the mirrors. In fact, in my neighborhood, there are lots of little kids. So I back my car into the driveway so I can see them as I'm pulling out. When I, so I don't, that, that's how paranoid I am about it. It was a teachable moment. I suffered greatly. My, my, my personal pride was severely fractured that day. I mean, bad. But I learned something. And so it is. God wants to do something in your life. God is at work in your suffering. What if he wants to teach you something that's going to make you more like him? What if he wants to teach you something that will protect you? This has protected me over the years. I don't back into things, okay? What if he wants to teach you something that will protect your family or your loved ones? your children, your grandchildren. God is at work in your suffering. And so I want to dive into uh, three words in this passage, uh, this progress that we kind of uh, looked at already. And the first one, oops, first one is, is perseverance. Say perseverance. Yeah, that's not a very fun sounding <laughs> word. We don't like that. And it's, it's hupomene. Say hupomene. Yeah. And it, that's the Greek word. It means steadfast or constant or endurance, patience, ugh, not so much pressing against something as staying put without dismay is the idea in that. And when I think about this, I think about, I think about the hurricanes. You've all been seeing the hurricanes, you know? So they do a lot of preparation, at, at getting ready for it. But when it comes, they all go and they hunker down someplace, right? You go in the basement, you cover up, you just, you just wait for the storm to go by and you kind of you abominate, you kind of persevere, you stay there. You do not get up in the middle of a hurricane and start repairing the house, okay? You stay down there. And that's, that's kind of what this word is, 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 it's this perseverance. But Paul does a really interesting thing with a play on words here. In the verse before, in verse 2, uh, which, which says uh, this, it says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, okay, into our presence of Christ, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And there's an interesting thing. The word there for gained access is the word that mariners used for getting into a safe harbor in the midst of a storm. So there's this cool image that he's drawing right here in in which when the storm is raging, you can come into this safe place where you won't be hit by all the wind and all the struggle of it. You can can persevere, you can opomene in this safe place. You know that I grew up in Grace Harbor, and, and uh, I, I love the ocean most of all in the winter. It's the most beautiful in the winter. Uh, and I used to go out to Westport a lot, especially if a storm was coming because the waves would be so cool. And when I would get out there, there'd be all these boats that are kind of skedaddling to get into the harbor before the storm arrives. The waves and the swells are getting big, you know. And there's this interesting sort of thing. We had a jetty at Westport. How many of you have seen the jetty at Westport? Okay, just to give you an idea of how stupid I was, when I was a teenager, I used to run from one end all the way to the other, from rock to rock to rock to rock. I never fell. That tells you to believe in the grace of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Right there. (laughs) Um, But in the winter, when the storm's coming, there's the the, the ocean side and the harbor side. And you can see the waves just slamming into it. And those giant rocks they have there would start moving around because they were being hit so hard by the waves. And on the other side, it was calm. Safe harbor, safe harbor, gained access to the, to the safe harbor. And so there's this wonderful picture of, of hunkered down in God's safe harbor. 
in the presence of Christ. Persevere when the suffering comes. Don't try to control the situation. You can't control the situation. Jesus is the Lord of wave and wind, amen? And that means you're not. And so persevere, so hunker down, so, so let God be God in the midst of it. And so really the message of that is, is this idea, God's got this. Whatever your suffering is, God's got this. God's got this in my life. God's got control of my tumor. He understands what's going on in that. God's got whatever the suffering is in your life. I don't know that it's going to work out the way you want it to work out. I don't know that mine is going to work out the way that I want it to work out. But I know this, God's got this. And God's got me. And God has you as well. God's persevere. Persevere in the, in the midst of it. Stop trying to be God. Let God be God and, and rest. And then the, the second word in this is uh, proven character. Uh, dokami. Dokam, dokame. Say dokame. It means proven character. And it, it, it's interesting. If you have a modern translation, it will say proven character. If you have some of the older ones, it'll just say character. And the reason for that is because the word here really emphasizes the idea of something that's been tested and proven to be true. So um, you, you know the difference. So you, you recognize this. Sometimes people will come to you and say, listen, I'm an upstanding person. I, I, I'm, I have integrity. And, and you kind of go, okay, you know, that, that, that's all right. But that's a different thing from someone that you've been through the fire with. And you know, you have seen them when it would have been easier to compromise their ethics, stick to their ethics anyway. They have proven character. You get that difference? And that's what this word is. It's proven character. In fact, it goes back to the idea. Uh, it's a word that's used for the idea of, of turning up the fire on, on a metals in order that the, the, the bad metals would sit, uh, slip away, would melt away, and the gold would come, come. Well, I guess gold comes to the bottom and you, you take the stuff off of it. And so the image here is proven character is this, this idea that, that you, when you pass through the fire that God is going to burn off some of the other stuff in your life in order that the real gold that he created in you might come out. What a wonderful thing to happen in the midst of suffering. I don't, I don't want to suffer, but if i got to suffer, I'd like to see God bring some gold out of my life. Amen? And, th and that's what it's talking about. You, you have passed through by enduring the storm and trusting Jesus in the midst of it that God uses that to bring out the gold in your life. And, and we see this. There is something about real suffering, especially if you think your life's in danger where you begin to sort through things in life. A lot of things that seemed important before cancer don't seem nearly as important now. And a lot of things that were like, yeah, I gotta get around to that someday are like, that's really important. We gotta take care of that. That, 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 that matters. There's, there's what philosophers call value clarification. What, 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 what is important in your life? The, important, the unimportant is burned away and what is left is clarity about what really, really matters in our life. And I, we just believe with all of our hearts that, um, that God will use suffering to bring about gold in you. Whatever's going on, God wants to bring about the gold in, in your life. It looks different in every person. You are a unique design from God, but there is gold. And in your suffering, he wants to bring that out. And then the last word is el peace, and the word is hope. Say hope. Now say el peace. Yes, and, and hope is a rough translation for English because uh, the English word for hope has a, an, a, a sense of tentativeness, of, of un, unsureness. We are all in a position, well, maybe not all of us, but some of us are in a position where we're hoping the Seahawks win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? <laughs> Nervous laughter across the church, you know. But, but you know, we may not win. It's, you know, who, who, who knows? I, I want you all to remember to pray for the Seahawks because my best friend in the world is a Steelers fan, you know. And so for my own ego, it would be better if the Seahawks won so that I can put it in his face. So that would, you know, no, maybe that's not a good idea. One of the ways you would not use hope is you would not say, well, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. Right, because the sun comes up. All, I mean, someday it won't, but it, but it always does. Now, we live in Washington, so you might not see it, but it comes up every, every, every day. But in Greek, that's the way they would use the word hope. I hope the sun comes up. I am sure and confident this is going to happen. There's not a tentativeness to it. Uh, it. It's much closer to this idea of, of knowing than it is to, to wishful thinking. And in fact, hope is this place where we get all in with God. 
When, when you've experienced the safe harbor and you've, you've passed through the suffering and God has brought out the hope and brought out the gold in your life, then you get to a place of hope where you absolutely, positively trust God. And I've seen this over and over again. There's, there's a, a lady that I, I it's, we're sitting around in gowns before we go in and so conversation started with her and, and she's just so discouraged and it's not going good and there's fear in her life and she's angry and it, it's, I'm so praying that God will open the door for me to tell her about Jesus. Because she's like, why are you so happy? What, you know, because I have hope. I have walked with God all my life. I'm not bailing out now. And I know that whether I get the answer or I don't get the answer I want, I walk with God. I have hope. I just, I just want you to get that, 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 that he wants to transform you and, and give you hope. And so this is the this hash line I've used. Hope is I trust God. I, I just, I trust God. Who do you trust? Do you trust yourself? That is going to be a hard journey of suffering, let me tell you. But if you trust God... He can do so much in a world filled with pain and suffering and heartache and injustice and evil. My hope is in our God. Amen. Amen. So here's what I know about suffering. Suffering will either leave you a much better person or a much worse person. The stakes are high. Suffering either brings out the gold or it melts you down. It either moves you into deeper relationships with people or damages your relationships with people. It either makes you more like Jesus or it mars the reflection of Christ. It either calms the fears or feed Jim. So let me ask you this morning, are you ready for safe harbor? Are you ready to quit fighting the storm on your own and let God have it and trust him? You ready to, to pull in, you know, that image of pulling into the safe harbor and getting out of the storm? I, I, my imagination goes wise. This isn't in the text, but I just imagine that when we pull into that safe harbor out of the storm of suffering and we, we finally get the boat all tied up, you know, I imagine our Heavenly Father is on the house that's that, that in there and he's going, come on up, I got, I got a warm fire you can dry out or I got some great food and we'll have some great fellowship. So you can either be in the storm and being tossed about or you can be in the house warm and safe and protected in Christ. Are you ready for safe harbor this morning? To hold on, to let him mold you into the person he wants you to be. So let me say this to you finally, the last two things here. Let God set you free from the burden you're carrying this morning. We're going to sing a great song in just a minute that talks about this. If our musicians could come there is something about when we're doing it on our own where there's fear and there's anger and we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know what the future holds and we worry and, and we struggle. And God wants to give you the freedom of just trusting Him. I, I think about this with our children. You know, I don't think any time growing up my children ever worried about paying the mortgage. In fact, I don't think they even knew we had a mortgage. I don't think they ever worried about whether or not we would have a house, a roof over their head or food on the table because those weren't their responsibilities. Those were my responsibilities. I worried about that sometimes, but they didn't. They needed to let dad be dad and, and them be the kids. Would you let your heavenly father take the burden this morning? That stuff you're worrying about and you're struggling with and you're afraid of, that's his job, not yours. And step into the safe harbor that is Christ. Because ultimately I believe with all of my heart that uh, God is for you, not against you. You are a child of God. And even if you don't think you're a child of God because you, you, God isn't in your life, he wants you back. You were created in his image. And this morning you can step into a life with Christ to, to come into the safe harbor. All you got to do is ask him to come in. He'll wipe away your past, say, forgive me. And it, it, it's amazing. It feels like a weight's been lifted off of you. And you can be a part of all that God is doing. It, it's, it's, he wants to be there for you. You are a child of God. God is for you. He's, he's not against you. And sometimes when we suffer, we think God is against us because it's hard. One of, the, one of the great benefits of, of suffering in, in cancer is that my kids visit me more often. So that's a, that's a pretty good perk in all of that. Uh, in fact, my daughter and her husband are here, here today. Um, and uh, maybe just because she was here. I haven't had a Janet illustration in a long time, but... I was thinking a little bit about this. When, when I took my first church, we ended up moving her in the middle of the school year in, in first grade. Um, and so she came to this new school, and she immediately ran into a bully. 
right, who was giving her a really hard time. And, and everything in me as a father wanted to go to the principal and let them have it, you know, and the teacher and let them have it. And then I was going to hunt down those parents. I was going to let them have it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Mama bear, Papa bear. But I knew that was the wrong response because I knew she was going to face bullies for the rest of her life. So instead, we did the hard work of talking her through it and helping her learn how to deal with that person and try to understand that person and, and all of that. And, and I thought over and over again, that's how God works with our suffering. We're like, get me out of this, Lord. I can't stand this anymore. And the Lord says, I got things I got to teach you. I want to bring out gold in your life. I want to give you hope so that you can give hope to other people. You see, the real question isn't why do I suffer? The real question is how will I suffer? Will you let him in? And so our ushers are going to come and we're going to worship the Lord uh, in giving in just a minute. Woohoo! Yes, we are glad to give to the Lord his tithes and our offerings. But this morning, if you're carrying a heavy load, if you need safe harbor, we're going to open the altars again if you'd like to come. And if some of our pastors, if you need someone to pray with you, uh, they, would, they would be honored to do this. But as we sing this song, would you sing this as a prayer? It is so powerful and it is such good news. God is for you, not against you. Enter the safe harbor. Let me pray for you. Father God, I ask now that you would open your heart to us. I pray, Father, that you'd bless this offering and multiply it to the good for the work that you've given us to do. But, but Father, I pray for that one this morning that really needs to pull into safe harbor. They really need to start the process of change to, to let you take control, Father. Be glorified now. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children and that you love us and that you set us free. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Craig, I'm the preaching pastor. We're glad that you're here uh, to our guests. Uh, welcome this morning. Um, we have been in a series uh, about suffering uh, that, uh, that we started last week. And last week we kind of talked about, um, okay, if we could hit the next slide. This thing has a little trouble. It doesn't like me very much, I think. Um, we, we talked about the fact that everybody suffers. Amen? Everybody suffers. It's in one way, shape, or another. There's all kinds of different ways of suffering. Uh, but everybody suffers at some point in their life. And if you're not suffering, the good news is just wait. You will eventually. Um, and so we, we all suffer. It's a universal e experience. Um, and there's some good news in that. We believe that God brings good out of bad. Amen? Suffering is not good, and God does not make us suffer, but he brings good at it. And one of the good things about everybody suffers is we are not alone. God is with you in your suffering, amen? <clears throat> Emmanuel, God is with us. Uh, but not only that, but, but he's called us to be with us. We talked about sideways grace, how we need to, to give grace to one another and encourage and be family uh, together when we suffer. And so uh, that was kind of last week. That was kind of the beginning. Uh, and so this week, I want to dig a, a little bit deeper into that. Um, and I want to actually go um, into this idea of sacred suffering. And what I mean uh, by sacred suffering is finding meaning in the pain. And I don't, I don't mean an explanation for the pain. That's the question of why. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, but that, that God can bring things that are good for us. They can bring meaningful things into our life even when we suffer. He has a way uh, of doing that. And so uh, anytime God does that, that is a sacred sort of thing. There's something spiritual that happens in all of that. Uh, and so we serve an awesome God that does uh, that for us. So let's, let's start out by looking at just a, a, some good things that God brings out of, out of suffering. Um, and one of those is um, some suffering is good. Now, I know you don't believe that. Nobody said amen there. They didn't say it in the 8 o'clock service either. You know, we're all like, okay, you're going to have to really convince us about this one. But uh, when, when I was in college, uh, they brought in a, a speaker who had just written a book about pain of physician. Uh, and he was, had been a missionary and he'd spent a lot of his career working amongst lepers in third world countries. And he was saying to them, uh, one of the things about leprosy is uh, you, you lose feeling in your extremities, you know, not, not only you eventually you're in they decay, but, but long before they decay, you, you can't feel anything. And he said one of the problems was where he was at was they used uh, um, old stoves where you put wood and stuff in them, you know, the old kind of stove like that. And what would happen is people would get to talking and they'd put their hand on the stove and talk, because you've seen me do this. And they didn't know there, anything was wrong until they literally smelled their flesh burning, right? And so some suffering is good. It, you know, when you touch something hot, it's good to know that so that you can withdraw your hand. Okay, for a minute there, you're all like, nah, I don't know, you know, it's like, 
wait a minute, you know. So, so a certain amount of pain, in fact, this guy argued that in many ways pain is, is a gift from God. It's the, the intensity and the duration of it that, that make it evil, and, and we know that anyway. All evil is uh, when the devil twists something that God made good, amen? <clears throat> devil can't create anything, and so uh, pain is, is that sort of thing. So some, some, some pain is good. Uh, some suffering is good. And then uh, some suffering uh, is, is worth it, honestly. Uh, we just, we do it deliberately. Uh, if, how many of you have kids? Okay. If you have kids, you understand that some suffering is worth it. Amen? Yeah, you know, there's just something about you, you, you suffer with, with the kids, and it, it's a part of the process. And, you know, when I first wrote this, I, I, the first one I had on the list was marriage, but I thought I better not start there. But, you know, if, if, if you're married, you experience, if you love someone, you're going to experience some suffering because you enter into relationship with them, right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but your spouse is not always right, you know? <laughs> Jody seems to think I'm wrong quite a bit, in fact, you know. Um, but but, but that, 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 that's a part of it. It's, it's, it's a part of, uh, of the love process. That there's just some suffering that, that, that it's worth it. In, in fact, I heard someone say one time that, that grief is the price we pay for loving someone. Because eventually, one or the other, you will go on into heaven, and, the, and both of you suffer in, in, in that moment, although the one that gets out of here gets heaven, so that's a pretty good deal, but, but we, we, we end up grieving because of that, and in and, and our, our roles as pastors, I've seen that over and over again, uh, people that have been married for decades, you know, 50, 60 years, and, and when their spouse goes to heaven, it's like they've been torn apart, you know, there's, just, there's a price that we pay in suffering because, because of love. Some other suffering that's worth it is, is some of the school and the training we get in order to better our careers, in order to, to learn and, and, and to grow, you know, the, the things we do, the disciplines, the prices we pay for something bigger, you know, saving your money so you can buy a house. All of those, there's all kinds of ways in which some suffering is just flat out worth it. But here's what I know that we're going to need to talk about a little bit, and that is this. Um, all suffering changes us. We're, we're never the same. And when, it, when it's deep suffering, you will never, ever be the same again. It changes you in some pretty profound ways. And, and so uh, we choose how it will change us, okay? It, it will either make our relationships deeper and stronger or it'll tear them apart, and there's really the only two ways that this can go. And you, you've all seen this work in, in, in your lives around you. Some people, when they suffer, a couple will get much closer together, you know. And some couples, they end up in divorce when great suffering comes in. It, it'll either pull you together or it'll not, but it, it, will, it will change you. And we all believe ultimately that God always brings good out of bad. And so what we want to talk a little bit is, is how that works. And so um, here, here's kind of my question for you today. What if when we suffer... The most important question is not why, but how. What if when we suffer, the most important question is not why, but how? Why is the question that gets asked a lot in society today? Why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me? To which I want to say, God is not doing this to you. You know, why, why, why? Here, here's the problem with the why. It's, it's a it's a question that causes us to delude and deceive ourselves. Because the underlying assumption in the why question is, if I could just understand it, I could control it. Uh-huh. All you control freaks out there. And if I could control it, then I could somehow lessen the suffering or I could move. There's something about, there's something about if I could just understand why, I, I could control it. And the truth of the matter is, even if you did understand why, you couldn't control it. There are things in this world you simply cannot control. Amen? And we live in a fallen, broken world. We, we talked about that. And so the more important question is how. Because you see, we can control how we suffer. We can't control why we suffer. We often can't control whether or not we suffer. If you can, then control it and don't suffer. That's better than suffering. But if you cannot control it, then the question becomes, how will I suffer? Am I going to pass through this season of life in a way that honors God and brings good out of it? Or am I going to go the destructive way of fear and anger and pain and, 
And this suffering actually leads to more suffering in my life and in the life of the people I care about. I told you last week that in some sense, the Bible, the entire Bible is a response to suffering. It's, it starts out with the fall of man and the entrance of suffering, and it ends with the book of Revelation where the answer to all the suffering is one day we're all going to be in heaven. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's the part in between that's the problem. Have you noticed? <laughs> you know? And, and so um, the Bible talks about this in a very specific way, what I want to talk about in Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me over to Romans chapter 5. Uh, it's in our Bible, our apps are in, in, in the church app. There are Bibles, if you have that as well, or online, however you want to do that. Uh, as, you, as you're getting that up, let me just begin to explain again, because I think context is everything. I do a lot out of John, and I've talked to you about how John is uh, very well-developed theology, because he wrote late. And Paul wrote very early. And so Paul is working out a lot of the philosophical issues in Christianity with this new faith centered around Christ and how that interacts with the culture of the time and how that interacts with the Jewish tradition and all of that. And so Paul is a, is a philosopher. And so I, I like him because I have a background in philosophy. But, but philosophers tend to use words in very nuanced kinds of ways. And Paul does that a lot. So often when we talk about Paul, I kind of dive into the Greek. And we're going to need to do that a little bit this morning. But it's also very picturesque. Greek is a very picturesque language. It tends to be pictures. I've told you that most Bible theology is picture theology. It's images of what God is like or what we are like and those kinds of things. And so um, we're going to read this and then we're going to kind of dig into it a little bit. So uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 3, uh, it says this, not only this, and we'll go back and do two in a minute, not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Huh. Knowing that the tribulation brings about, and then here's the list, perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. So now he's in a progress. It starts with perseverance. And if you get perseverance down, then you get to proven character. And proven character, hope. That's the, the conclusion of it. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, gave, uh, who was given to us. And so let me kind of get a little bit of this. The first word there is tribulations. The word in the Greek literally means big pressure. It's the idea of something that crushes you. And, and if, if you've ever gone through very deep suffering, it sometimes feels like there's this giant pressure that's on you that you, you can't escape. And so when Paul talks about tribulations, he's not talking about, you know, having a bad day at work here. Tribulations is, is, a, is a suffering. It's a heavy, it's a, a hard and difficult thing. And he was a man who faced all kinds of, of suffering in his life. He was, he was beaten. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He, I mean, the guy is like the king of suffering, all right? And so when he writes these words, he, he really is, he really knows what he's talking about. And, and honestly, he's preparing Romans a few years after this is written. They go into all kinds of uh, persecution in all of that. And so the, the suffering, the, the pressure. And so uh, what this teaches us, one of the things this teaches us is that God uses suffering to make us look more like him. A part of what God wants to do when you are suffering is to change you and transform you and make you more like Christ. There's this powerful thing that happens in suffering in that it forms us in new ways. In fact, in one of the books I was reading, uh, they said something that I hadn't thought about, but, but is spot on. And the author said this, if you read biographies of great figures, virtually every one of them that achieve greatness also have great suffering in their life at some point. Yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, one of the ways that, that God formed them that use them is it's through the suffering that he turned them into the person that he intended them to be. And so it is with you and me that in the midst of the suffering, there is an opportunity for God to change you more into the image of Christ, to make you look more like him in whatever the unique reflection of Christ is. It's different in, in, in everybody. But you as a unique reflection have this opportunity to become more like him. He, he grows us spiritually when we suffer and the light of Christ shines out in us. There, there's an opportunity to deepen relationships. One of the things that my privilege as a pastor is often journey with people when they're in suffering. And one of the most common ones um, when believers suffer is they will say, you know, through this hard time, you would have thought I would have moved farther away from Christ. And at that point, I want to say, no, I wouldn't, but I don't, you know. And they say, I have moved so much closer to Christ. It's so much sweeter. There's just something about this. There's this peace that happens. It doesn't make any sense, Pastor. 
And I'll say, you've been watching too much TV and not reading your Bible enough, you know? God's Word talks about that, the satisfying relationships. God does not cause suffering, but He never wastes it either. And in your life, if you're suffering, I'm telling you, God wants to do something in, in, in your heart. And so let me put a little finer point on it. Uh, and I just know that I know in all of this uh, that... that um, next slide. Uh, God is at work in your suffering as well, your personal suffering. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, God is at work in your suffering. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God is at work in your suffering too. God is at work, not just in the general idea, you know, everybody's thinking, Paul, he lived 2,000 years ago, he was a spiritual giant, how do I relate to him? I'm telling you, God is at work in your suffering, your personal suffering. In fact, I've pretty much decided that God thinks suffering is a teachable moment. Y'all know what a teachable moment is? Yeah, it's that thing the teacher says just before they give you a hard time about something, you know? And so I, I've had a number of teachable moments in my life, but, but one of them that came to mind when I was thinking about this was uh, happened shortly after I got my driver's license, which is like a really scary time, right, you know? And, um, and so I'd gotten my driver's license, and I was at that stage where I thought I really, I, I knew, right? I was a better driver than my dad because I had faster reflexes than him, right? I didn't really take into account judgment. That came later. That's back to the story. So one day, uh, my, uh, my pastor shows up at our house, and, and uh, he had just bought a brand new car. Maybe the first time he'd ever bought a brand new car. It was a small church, didn't have a lot of money. It was a really little car. But he was really proud of it, and he was up kind of sharing, and he'd, he'd parked it in our, in our, in our house. And, and I, I had a job, and, and I needed to go to my job. And, and so I, you know, I said, Dad, can I, can I borrow the truck? My dad had this three-quarter ton pickup with a steel bumper on the back, you know, that, that was high like that. And I thought, man, I got I to gotta get to work. And so I I jumped in that pickup truck and I popped it in reverse and I started to move back pretty fast and all of a sudden, BAM! And I ran smack dab into that brand, like three-day-old car, right? My dad thought that was a teachable moment. <laughs> so you pop it in and you move forward, I got to go in there, you know, and they had heard it already. So they're all looking out the windows at me and I'm kind of moping up. You got to share that. And, you know, my dad really didn't say very much other than, you probably need to check your mirrors before you back up. <laughs> you know? To this day, I am paranoid when I put a car in reverse. I look back and forth. I finally have a car that has a little TV. You know, I'm like looking back there at that and checking all the mirrors. In fact, in my neighborhood, there are lots of little kids. So I back my car into the driveway so I can see them as I'm pulling out when I, so I don't, that, that's how paranoid I am about it. It was a teachable moment. I suffered greatly. My, my, my personal pride was severely fractured that day. I mean, bad. But I learned something. And so it is, God wants to do something in your life. God is at work in your suffering. What if he wants to teach you something that's going to make you more like him? What if he wants to teach you something that will protect you? This has protected me over the years. I don't back into things, okay? What if he wants to teach you something that will protect your family or your loved ones? your children, your grandchildren. God is at work in your suffering. And so I want to dive into uh, three words in this passage, uh, this progress that we kind of uh, looked at already. And the first one, oops, first one is, is perseverance. Say perseverance. perseverance. Yeah, that's not a very fun sounding <laughs> word. We don't like that. And it's, it's hupomene. Say hupomene. Yeah. And it, that's the Greek word. It means steadfast or constant or endurance, patience, ugh, not so much pressing against something as staying put without dismay is the idea in that. And when I think about this, I think about, I think about the hurricanes. You've all been seeing the hurricanes, you know? So they do a lot of preparation, at, at getting ready for it. But when it comes, they all go and they hunker down someplace, right? You go in the basement, you cover up. You just, you just wait for the storm to go by and you kind of you abominate, you kind of persevere, you stay there. You do not get up in the middle of a hurricane and start repairing the house, okay? You stay down there. And that's, that's kind of what this word is, 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 it's this perseverance. But Paul does a really interesting thing with a play on words here. In the verse before, in verse 2, uh, which, which says uh, this, it says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, okay, into our presence of Christ, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And there's an interesting thing. The word there for gained access 
is the word that mariners used for getting into a safe harbor in the midst of a storm. So there's this cool image that he's drawing right here in, in which when the storm is raging, you can come into this safe place where you won't be hit by all the wind and all the struggle of it. You can, you can persevere, you can opomine in this safe place. You know that I grew up in Grace Harbor and, and uh, I, I, I love the ocean most of all in the winter. It's the most beautiful in the winter. Uh, and I used to go out to Westport a lot, especially if a storm was coming because the waves would be so cool. And when I'd get out there, there'd be all these boats that are kind of skedaddling to get into the harbor before the storm arrives. The waves and the swells are getting big, you know. And there's this interesting sort of thing. We had a jetty at Westport. How many have seen the jetty at Westport? Okay, just to give you an idea of how stupid I was, when I was a teenager, I used to run from one end all the way to the other, from rock to rock to rock to rock. I never fell. That tells you to believe in the grace of Jesus Christ. Right there. <laughs> um, but in the winter, when the storm's coming, there's the, the, the ocean side and the harbor side. And you can see the waves just slamming into it. And those giant rocks they have there would start moving around because they were being hit so hard by the waves. And on the other side, it was calm. Safe harbor, safe harbor, gained access to the, to the safe harbor. And so there's this wonderful picture of, of hunker down in God's safe harbor in the presence of Christ. Persevere when the suffering comes. Don't try to control the situation. You can't control the situation. Jesus is the Lord of wave and wind, amen? And that means you're not. And so persevere, so hunker down, so, so let God be God in the midst of it. And so really the message of that is, is this idea, God's got this. Whatever your suffering is, God's got this. God's got this in my life. God's got control of my tumor. He understands what's going on in that. God's got whatever the suffering is in your life. I don't know that it's going to work out the way you want it to work out. I don't know that mine is going to work out the way that I want it to work out. But I know this, God's got this. And God's got me. And God has you as well. God's persevere. Persevere in the, in the midst of it. Stop trying to be God. Let God be God and, and rest. And then the, the second word in this is uh, proven character. Uh, dokami. Dokame. Say dokame. It means proven character. And it, it, it's interesting. If you have a modern translation, it will say proven character. If you have some of the older ones, it'll just say character. And the reason for that is because the word here really emphasizes the idea of something that's been tested and proven to be true. So um, you, you know the difference. You, you recognize this. Sometimes people will come to you and say, listen, I'm an upstanding person. I, I, I'm, I have integrity. And, and you kind of go, okay, you know, that, that, that's all right. But that's a different thing from someone that you've been through the fire with. And you know, you have seen them when it would have been easier to compromise their ethics, stick to their ethics anyway. They have proven character. You get that difference? And that's what this word is. It's proven character. In fact, it goes back to the idea. Uh, it's a word that's used for the idea of, of turning up the fire on, on a metals in order that the, the, the bad metals would sit, uh, slip away, would melt away, and the gold would come, come. Well, I guess gold comes to the bottom and you, you take the stuff off of it. And so the image here is proven character is this, this idea that, that you, when you pass through the fire that God is going to burn off some of the other stuff in your life in order that the real gold that he created in you might come out. What a wonderful thing to happen in the midst of suffering. I don't, I don't want to suffer, but if i got to suffer, I'd like to see God bring some gold out of my life. Amen? And, th and that's what it's talking about. You, you have passed through by enduring the storm and trusting Jesus in the midst of it that God uses that to bring out the gold in your life. And, and we see this. There is something about real suffering, especially if you think your life's in danger where you begin to sort through things in life. A lot of things that seemed important before cancer don't seem nearly as important now. And a lot of things that were like, yeah, I gotta get around to that someday, are like, that's really important. We gotta take care of that. That, 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 that matters. There's, there's what philosophers call value clarification. What, 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 what is important in your life? The, important, the unimportant is burned away and what is left is clarity about what really, really matters in our life. And I, we just believe with all of our hearts that, um, that God will use suffering to bring about gold in you. Whatever's going on, God wants to bring about the gold in, in your life. It looks different in every person. You are a unique design from God, but there is gold. And in your suffering, he wants to bring that out. And then the last word is el peace, and the word is hope. Say, 
hope. Now say el peace. Yes. And, and hope is a rough translation for English because uh, the English word for hope has a, an, uh, a sense of tentativeness, of, of un, unsureness. We are all in a position, well, maybe not all of us, but some of us are in a position where we're hoping the Seahawks win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? <laughs> Nervous laughter across the church, you know. But, but you know, we may not win. It's, you know, who, who, who knows? I, I want you all to remember to pray for the Seahawks because my best friend in the world is a Steelers fan, you know. And so for my own ego, it would be better if the Seahawks won so that I can put it in his face. So that would, you know, no, maybe that's not a good idea. One of the ways you would not use hope is you would not say, well, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. Right, because the sun comes up. All, I mean, someday it won't, but it, but it always does. Now, we live in Washington, so you might not see it, but it comes up every, every, every day. But in Greek, that's the way they would use the word hope. I hope the sun comes up. I am sure and confident this is going to happen. There's not a tentativeness to it. Uh, it it's much closer to this idea of, of knowing than it is to, to wishful thinking. And in fact, hope is this place where we get all in with God. When you've experienced the safe harbor and you've, you've passed through the suffering and God has brought out the hope and brought out the gold in your life, then you get to a place of hope where you absolutely, positively trust God. And I've seen this over and over again. There's, there's a, a lady that I, I, it's, we're sitting around in gowns before we go in and so conversation started with her and, and she's just so discouraged and it's not going good and there's fear in her life and she's angry and, it, it's, and I'm so praying that God will open the door for me to tell her about Jesus. Because she's like, why are you so happy? What, you know, because I have hope. I have walked with God all my life. I'm not bailing out now. And I know that whether I get the answer or I don't get the answer I want, I walk with God. I have hope. I just, I just want you to get that, 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 that he wants to transform you and, and give you hope. And so this is the this hash line I've used. Hope is I trust God. I, I just, I trust God. Who do you trust? Do you trust yourself? That is going to be a hard journey of suffering, let me tell you. But if you trust God, he can do so much. In a world filled with pain and suffering and heartache and injustice and evil, my hope is in our God. Amen. So here's what I know about suffering. Suffering will either leave you a much better person or a much worse person. The stakes are high. Suffering either brings out the gold or it melts you down. It either moves you into deeper relationships with people or damages your relationships with people. It either makes you more like Jesus or it mars the reflection of Christ. It either calms the fears or feeds him. So let me ask you this morning, are you ready for safe harbor? Are you ready to quit fighting the storm on your own and let God have it and trust him? You ready to, to pull in, you know, that image of pulling into the safe harbor and getting out of the storm? I, I, my imagination goes wise. This isn't in the text, but I just imagine that when we pull into that safe harbor out of the storm of suffering and we, we finally get the boat all tied up, you know, I imagine our Heavenly Father is on the house that's that, that in there and he's going, come on up, I got, I got a warm fire you can dry out or I got some great food and we'll have some great fellowship. So you can either be in the storm and being tossed about or you can be in the house warm and safe and protected in Christ. Are you ready for safe harbor this morning? To hold on, to let him mold you into the person he wants you to be. So let me say this to you finally, the last two things here. Let God set you free from the burden you're carrying this morning. We're going to sing a great song in just a minute that talks about this. If our musicians could come there is something about when we're doing it on our own where there's fear and there's anger and we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know what the future holds and we worry and, and we struggle. And God wants to give you the freedom of just trusting him. I, I think about this with our children. You know, I don't think any time growing up my children ever worried about paying the mortgage. In fact, I don't think they even knew we had a mortgage. I don't think they ever worried about whether or not we would have a house, a roof over their head or food on the table because those weren't their responsibilities. Those were my responsibilities. I worried about that sometimes, but they didn't. They needed to let dad be dad and, and them be the kids. Would you let your heavenly father take the burden this morning? 
That's stuff you're worrying about and you're struggling with and you're afraid of. That's his job, not yours. And step into the safe harbor that is Christ because ultimately I believe with all of my heart that uh, God is for you, not against you. You are a child of God. And even if you don't think you're a child of God because you know, you've, God isn't in your life, he wants you back. You were created in his image. And this morning, you can step into a life with Christ to, to come into the safe harbor. All you got to do is ask him to come in. He'll wipe away your past, say, forgive me. And he'll, he'll, it's amazing. It feels like a weight's been lifted off of you. And you can be a part of all that God is doing. It, it's, it's, he wants to be there for you. You are a child of God. God is for you. He's, he's not against you. And sometimes when we suffer, we think God is against us because it's hard. One of, the, one of the great benefits of, of suffering in, in cancer is that my kids visit me more often. So that's a, that's a pretty good perk in all of that. Uh, in fact, my daughter and her husband are here, here today. Um, and uh, maybe just because she was here. I haven't had a Janet illustration in a long time, but... I was thinking a little bit about this. When, when I took my first church, we ended up moving her in the middle of the school year in, in first grade. Um, and so she came to this new school, and she immediately ran into a bully, right, who was giving her a really hard time. And, and everything in me as a father wanted to go to the principal and let them have it, you know, and the teacher and let them have it. And then I was going to hunt down those parents. I was going to let them have it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Mama bear, Papa bear. But I knew that was the wrong response because I knew she was going to face bullies for the rest of her life. So instead, we did the hard work of talking her through it and helping her learn how to deal with that person and try to understand that person and, and all of that. And, and I thought over and over again, that's how God works with our suffering. We're like, get me out of this, Lord. I can't stand this anymore. And the Lord says, I got things I got to teach you. I want to bring out gold in your life. I want to give you hope so that you can give hope to other people. See, the real question isn't, why do I suffer? The real question is, how will I suffer? Will you let him in? And so our ushers are going to come, and we're going to worship the Lord uh, in giving in just a minute. Woohoo! Yes, we are glad to give to the Lord his tithes and our offerings. But this morning, if you're carrying a heavy load, if you need safe harbor, we're going to open the altars again if you'd like to come. And if some of our pastors, if you need someone to pray with you, uh, they, would, they would be honored to do this. But as we sing this song, would you sing this as a prayer? It is so powerful, and it is such good news. God is for you, not against you. Enter the safe harbor. Let me pray for you. Father God, I ask now that you would open your heart to us. I pray, Father, that you'd bless this offering and multiply it to the good for the work that you've given us to do. But, but Father, I pray for that one this morning that really needs to pull into safe harbor. They really need to start the process of change to, to let you take control, Father. Be glorified now. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children and that you love us and that you set us free. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
yes I am. Amen. Amen. Stand, stand. Look to the person next to you and say, you're a child of God. And then the other way, you're a child of God. Amen. Aren't you glad you're a child of God? And he is for you, not against you, even in the midst of suffering. Well, uh, if you're a guest, don't forget to pick up your free bag out there, the gift bag, and get a latte. We'd love to talk with you. If you're looking for a church that's all about loving God, loving people, we'd love to have you be a part of Generations Community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Invite your friends next week. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or even imagine, and I can imagine a lot, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. God loves you. I love you. Go and love each other. Who the sun?